Uh, we're going to dive into uh, the words of First John in, in just a moment. Uh, uh, transparency uh, right at the start. I'm not a huge, well, I shouldn't really say it that way. I'm not a huge fan of, of John. I, I just, I struggle to fully understand John. And I'm just saying that up front, uh, just so you know uh, that, hey, it's okay to, to struggle through a book of the Bible. And, and it's okay to, to struggle with the language that's used there. So uh, we're just going to be in this together. It's going to be good. Uh, we're going to dive into First John. We just, I just really felt like uh, that's where Jesus was leading us. And, and I think it's going to be a, a helpful uh, study for us as we are diving into this book called First John. It's really a sermon uh, more than a letter or more than a book. It's a sermon that the uh, apostle John, that the disciple John preached. And, and what we could just uh, sort of start off by saying is uh, things sure aren't like they used to be. That's probably a massive understatement, right? Things sure aren't like they used to be. If we think about uh, the church level, for instance, um, things are not like they used to be. Uh, I think we could say that, um, that, that we used to hang out in that front lobby over there, and uh, people would like drink coffee and just kind of hang out and enjoy time with each other. Uh, typically, uh, people would just sort of hang out uh, in that front lobby until the first song was like maybe halfway through. They would typically ignore the announcements of the pastor and uh, they would come in late. Um, you know, there would be like nobody sitting and then all of a sudden uh, I would turn around after the first song was over and uh, bam, there's all kinds of people in this room. Um, we used to uh, just enjoy time together um, in the lobby, but things aren't quite like they used to be. Um, we used to host some pretty big gatherings. Um, uh, for instance, Halloween hoopla. We would do that around uh, around Halloween, uh, uh, you know, October time-ish, and uh, we would attract hundreds of people from the community. We did this little thing called VBS, Vacation Bible School, and um, again, hundreds and hundreds of people would come uh, and attend that. We would have close to 100 volunteers. I mean, this place was loud and busy. Uh, we would even gather in smaller groups uh, just for fun, right? Just to, to have some fun with one another and to deepen our relationship with God. Um, the moms would uh, gather over there sometimes in this, um, I don't even know, remember what they called it. It's been so long. What was it? Uh, well, they would gather in the gathering place, but uh, I forget what their what their gathering was called. Um, uh, oh well, uh, the moms would gather over there, and they would enjoy special treats and coffee and just uh, time with one another. Um, uh, the the dads would usually show up late or go hang out at coffee uh, for uh, you know at Starbucks for a little while. Um, and and uh, to be clear, right, we never wore masks. That just wasn't a thing before. There was no one asking prying questions about your health and about vaccines. Um, things aren't like they used to be anymore. And I'm talking at the kind of church corporate level, and we're going to wrestle with that a little bit this morning uh, as we dive into this book of 1 John. But, but you can certainly take some of the uh, church uh, corporate things and apply that to your own personal life. I'm sure that in your own personal life, things are not like they used to be. It's like the understatement of, I don't know, the century. Things are not like they used to be. First John is written to a group of people that might have been saying things are not like they used to be. They just aren't. 
And to go ahead and dive right into the specifics of 1 John, uh, we might say two things really specifically about them. Um, uh, two things that are not like they used to be. Two things that they used to have and don't have anymore. Two things that they have lost. Uh, 1 John uh, 1, 1 to 4 tells us that they have lost fellowship and they have lost joy. Uh, they are lacking fellowship and they are lacking joy. And the hard part, of course, about those two lessons, those two losses, is that they sound awfully familiar, don't they? I mean, uh, church corporate, again, right, uh, around Resurrection Ministries, it seems as though our joy has been a bit strained. And one of the words that we have heard and experienced more than any other word is disconnected. We feel disconnected from one another. And again, um, that's probably not just the church corporate level, but we can also probably experience those things at the very personal level where uh, maybe we've been more isolated than we would like to be or than we would normally be. And maybe our joy, our level of happiness even has been strained over the last year. Um, let's take uh, just a, a little bit deeper dive into those two words, fellowship and joy. Um, fellowship is, uh, is used pretty often in 1 John chapter 1. It's part of the reason that we wanted to read the whole thing. And what it means is a deep sharing of things in common, a deep sharing of things in common. Um, this is a lot more than caffeine and uh, calories in the front lobby. Right? This is a lot more than, than sharing coffee and donuts together in uh, the same space. Um, this is something deep that we hold in common or something uh, that holds us deeply in common. Um, if we're both holding on to the same thing, then guess what? We have fellowship with one another. Or in another way, if, uh, if the same thing is holding on to us, then we have fellowship with one another. Uh, joy is the other word, right? And that is much more and much deeper than simply happiness. Um, happiness is dependent on your external circumstances. Uh, joy is something that's placed in you internally, right? It's a gift that is given to you. Uh, maybe another way to, to define joy is, is it's just kind of a genuine satisfaction with life. A genuine satisfaction with life. The people in 1 John used to feel joy, but things aren't like they used to be. Uh, the people in 1 John used to experience a strong, deep, rich fellowship with one another. But things aren't like they used to be. And, and again, you can move that from the kind of church corporate or even the, the, the people that John is writing to and apply that to your own personal life and be thinking about how things aren't quite like they used to be. Um, uh, this letter is written around maybe 80 to 90 A.D. So we're talking, uh, you know, a mere uh, uh, maybe 50 to, to 60 years after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead and then ascended into heaven. It's written to um, the, the churches in or around uh, this city called Ephesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul also wrote a book, uh, a letter to the church or churches in and around Ephesus. It's called the book of Ephesians. Uh, this is probably a sermon that John the disciple wrote to um, or spoke to the churches in and around the book of Ephesus. And what we see is that things for these people around this time are not like they used to be. 
Um, there are some false teachers that have come in and begun to speak uh, about a different Jesus than they met originally. Um, uh, in some cases, these false teachers were talking about a very different Jesus. In some cases, just a, a little bit of a different Jesus. But they were talking about a different Jesus than, they, than this church originally heard about when they first heard about Jesus. And because of uh, this confusion, and because of these different presentations of Jesus, some people have begun to leave the church. Uh, in other words, uh, their fellowship was breaking apart. Uh, their numbers were getting smaller. Uh, their fellowship was sort of on edge of disintegrating altogether. Things aren't like they used to be. And uh, around this time, uh, there was a lot of persecution of disciples. Uh, persecution had begun to break out in a pretty uh, significant way. And, uh, and so the level of happiness and satisfaction had gone way down. Um, uh, they had been excited about following Jesus and being changed by Jesus, excited about even being on mission with Jesus. And now, as disciples, they find themselves on the fringe of society. Uh, they were excluded from certain things because of their faith. And they were facing a very hard road in front of them. And so um, their level of joy and their level of happiness had gone way down. Things sure aren't like they used to be for the people, the disciples, in 80 AD around Ephesus. And so the, the question is, um, what's the help? <laughs> what's the good news? What's, what's, the, what's the solution to this problem of a lack of fellowship and a lack of joy? Um, at the church level, of course, we've been uh, trying to engage just that question and figure out how is it that we can uh, enhance our fellowship once again? Now, how is it that we can increase our joy quotient? And, and we've come up with all kinds of solutions, <laughs> solutions that are good, uh, solutions that might be effective. But I want you to see this, and I'm going to just plant this up front. It's not the one solution that the Apostle John gives us in verses 1 to 4. Um, uh, the solution, uh, one of the solutions that we've come up with as a church is to simply pray for unity. It's not to say that our church is um, angrily divided against one another, but what we are starting to see is that um, our uh, different leadership groups have been a bit isolated. And uh, because our uh, leadership groups have been isolated, right, they used to come together on a regular basis, but they've been isolated. And so they all have a little bit different perspective on what our church is like right now and, and a little bit of a different perspective then on uh, what our next steps should be as a congregation. So one step is to pray for unity. Praying for unity is a great answer. It's a great solution, but it's not the solution that John the disciple gives us. Um, uh, another one is simply to create social gatherings. Uh, at, just, just make sure that we're providing opportunities for people to gather together. Um, just for fun. Uh, opportunities for people to get together and play and party. Another one is um, to, to go back to two worship times. Um, to, to, we've kind of blended our worship times together uh, in an effort to um, uh, reach as many people as we can in this kind of crazy season where schedules are all crazy and things are a little bit uh, messed up. Go back to two worship times and let everybody uh, worship in the way that's most comfortable for them. And then, of course, uh, there's a whole bunch of folks that uh, kind of want to just 
say, forget all the restrictions, forget the masks, forget the distancing, and just get back to how things used to be. And the reality is that things are not like they used to be. And, and so um, none of these solutions are necessarily bad, but none of them are the one solution that John gives us in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Uh, John offers us one solution that, that really changes everything. And that one solution is very simple, just two words, proclaiming Jesus. Will, will you just say that? Just go to your, text, uh, your, your chat box on Zoom and on Facebook and just let us know that. Just say, proclaiming Jesus. Um, that, that seems like a maybe overly simplistic thing, but what we're going to see is that there's a lot of power in just proclaiming Jesus. Uh, to proclaim means that we declare something. Uh, it means that, uh, um, uh, that, that, that we're stating something in a sort of a public fashion. And, and we have to be honest and sort of admit that we proclaim a lot of different things, right? We, we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about solutions to our problems. We talk about reopening. We talk about getting back to how things were. But sometimes we miss and we forget to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we forget to proclaim Jesus, who he is, and what he has done. And so we want to spend a couple of minutes just looking at the language that John uses in 1 John, just verses 1 to 4. Um, John talks about Jesus in a very particular way, and, uh, and it takes a little bit of time to just unpack what John is trying to say. We tend to just talk about Jesus in this way. We say Jesus is great, and he's glorious, and he's gracious, and he is good. Um, the Apostle John talks about Jesus in a slightly different way. And so let me just read it to you again. Um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, as I was studying this, one commentator kind of said, it's almost like you're entering the land of Dr. Seuss. You kind of read it, and it's like, what in the world did John just say? So we're going we're gonna to read it just so you can see it again, and then we'll see what John is saying about Jesus. He says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, here's what John just said. He, he just said that Jesus is that which is from the beginning. <laughs> All right, that's a mouthful to even just say. Jesus is that which is from the beginning. Uh, so, so Jesus, in other words, right, if this is the beginning, here's Jesus. Jesus is before the beginning of time. Uh, Jesus is before time ever began. Uh, that's consistent with Genesis chapter 1, right? In the beginning, God created. So uh, God existed before creation existed. Um, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you insert the word Jesus there, then what you get is this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. So again, all right, this is a, a thing where, you know, time starts and Jesus existed before that time. Jesus is that which is from the beginning. Um, maybe say it a different way. This is like an author that existed before the story. All right, an author exists before the story. 
um, he exists and then he begins to think of a story. Um, he exists and then he starts to write down ideas and themes. Uh, he exists and then he starts to write down words and sentences and paragraphs and all of a sudden you get a story. This is what Jesus is. He is that which is from the beginning. Just like an author existed um, before the story ever existed, Jesus existed before everything. Um, Jesus is that which is from the beginning, uh, which means that he is um, rooted and steeped in history. <laughs> he is bigger than history. He is before history. He is much larger than the latest trends and fashions and ideas, which we just have to see is a massively big idea. It's a big deal that Jesus is larger than the latest trends and fashions and ideas because the latest trends and fashions and ideas have led to their loss of fellowship and have led to their loss of joy. And so John comes and says, hey, the, the one solution is to proclaim Jesus because Jesus is from the beginning. He also says that Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. And there's really just um, three other places to go to in Scripture. There's all kinds of things to say about Jesus being the word of life. Um, uh, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, says this. You already heard it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So John is talking about Jesus as the word of God. Uh, John chapter 5 is an even better passage. Jesus himself says this. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me will have eternal life. Uh, Jesus says, look, um, I am speaking on behalf of the Father, so if you listen to my words and you believe and you put into practice what I'm saying, then you will know the Father better than you ever knew the Father before, and you'll have eternal life. Jesus is the word of life. Uh, John uh, chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. So what we would say is that Jesus is the word that brings life. Jesus is the word of life, um, which again, right, is important because these people that John is writing to, there's been a lot of competing voices. There's been a lot of competing voices that have robbed people of their joy and has led to their loss of fellowship. And so John is saying, hey, look, there's only one voice that we need, just one voice that we need, and that voice is the voice of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the one that is from the beginning and is the word of life that was made manifest. Uh, just think back to the kids' chat. Um, we were trying to draw this out at that point, right? Jesus didn't stay in the beginning of time. Uh, he didn't write a story and walked away. <laughs> he somehow wrote a story and put himself in it. Like he actually jumped into the pages of the story while he was at the same time writing it. Um, uh, Jesus didn't, didn't speak from on high, far away, and stay there. He didn't live a secluded, mind-your-own-business kind of life. No, he became manifest. People could hear him. People could see him. People could touch him. That's why John uses all these kind of experiential words over and over again uh, in this sermon, because he's trying to help people see, look, Jesus didn't stay far away. He came near so that we could know who he is. Uh, it's the way that John talks about Jesus. Jesus is the, the one that is from the beginning. He is the word of life, and he was made manifest. 
That's the language that John uses. But what's important for us today is that we are just thinking about, okay, things aren't like they used to be. And there's a lot of solutions that might help us um, find a, a new normal, that might help us be comfortable in this world that we live in, that might help us uh, still be disciples in this world that we live in. And, and a lot of those solutions are going to be good, are going to be helpful, but the most important solution that John gives us right here is that we simply proclaim Jesus. Jesus is the one great solution for our great big problems. Um, G Jesus might not make things like they used to be. We, we just have to kind of wrestle with that. We just have to kind of admit that, that Jesus isn't going to always put things back exactly as they used to be. But what Jesus does do is he creates fellowship. He says, look, here I am, hold on to me. And as we hold on to Jesus together, we have fellowship with one another. And, and Jesus does even more than that. As he dies on the cross and as he walks out of that tomb, he begins to hold on to us. And because he's holding on to us, we have fellowship with one another. Jesus creates fellowship and Jesus brings, oh, so much joy. A general satisfaction with life that is much, much bigger than the external circumstances. A general satisfaction with life that gets planted within us and is a gift that we simply enjoy. Jesus creates fellowship and Jesus brings joy. And so the best thing that we can do every single day is to proclaim Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for sending Jesus. Uh, you, you chose in your love to, to reveal your love. You chose in love to reveal uh, Jesus in a powerful way. Um, you, you knew and you know that we have so many things that distract us, uh, so many things that feel like huge hurdles and bumps in the road, uh, so many things that we would look at and say, things aren't like they used to be. And, and more than anything else, we just need Jesus. And so will you keep interrupting us? <laughs> uh, will you keep uh, showing us who Jesus is? Uh, will you plant words in our hearts and in our minds so that we can speak Jesus to one another? There is nothing better for us to do. There is nothing more needed. And so we thank you, and we ask for the ability to do that with one another. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.